we're worshiping, this just came to my heart and mind. He said, I am above every mountain, and I'm below every valley. I'm higher than every circumstance that you face, and I'm with you through all of it. And I think God just wants to encourage us that he's been everywhere that we could possibly go. And he's with us no matter what we're going to face, no matter what we're dealing with. And uh, I think it just rings well with what we're going to be talking about this morning. But know that God is above every mountain that we face. And he's below, he's gone deeper than ever pit that we could ever fall into. Amen? But we're talking today, again, on the good fight of faith. And uh, I must confess that over the last few weeks, uh, Justin has um, really shaken my thoughts concerning faith, of how it works and what it is. Anybody there? <laughs> so it's kind of revolutionizing my thinking. And uh, so if I could ask that, just bear with me today as I begin to kind of explain some of the things on my heart, some of the things that I've been learning, at the same time while I embrace the very things that I'm going to speak about. And that being said, if you, know, if you have any questions or any concerns or worries about the message, just see Pastor Justin right after service, and he'll take care of all that stuff for you. <laughs> but with all seriousness is... Uh, you know, when we were talking earlier, he said, uh, Justin and I, he says, well, you know, feel free to minister on whatever you feel the need to minister on. And I said, well, actually, I think that I need to talk about uh, faith from this perspective. And I said, and the reason why is, number one, I think it'll be good for me to think about and to study. I said, number two, I think it'll allow me to be a guinea pig of sorts so that you can kind of see into my introspection and some of the questions that I've been asking, and maybe you are too, and it might help you to see how I've thought about those things and contemplated those things. So let's uh, pray as we begin. Father, I just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for the honor of standing before your people, encouraging your people. And God, I just ask that, Lord, that you would give me the words to articulate your heart. That, Father, that you would give me the wisdom to be accurate in the things that I say. And that, Father, that faith would be simplified. That it may not be easy, Father, but it would be simple. And that we'd be able to enter into faith and to stand in faith the way that you've designed faith to work inside of our lives. So, Father, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation today to understand, Father, how faith works and what it is. And how not only to, to do faith, but, Father, how to live faith in our daily lives every day in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've always kind of been under the standing and not, that throughout my Christian faith that when you talk about faith, it's a formula or a process. There's been times that I've thought that it's a formula or a process to obtain something that I desire or to fix a problem to overcome a negative report. And those things, in many ways, may be true. But the formula process the, is that we begin to, when those things arise, when those problems arise, when those uh, circumstances arise, 
and we begin to um, go into faith mode. What I mean by that is that when it's a formula or it's a process, it's something that I do, is that let's say that a circumstance arise, a negative thing arises, or something that I desire. I've always pictured faith as, okay, in order to get this to happen, here's what I need to do. I need to start confessing the word. I need to start reading more. I need to do these different things in order to get faith to work. And truthfully, there's been times in my life where, man, I've actually seen God come through on those things. And he's answered my prayers with the graciousness that he is. On the other hand, there have been times where I've been left maybe confused or wondering, man, did I not have enough faith for something to happen? Or did I, did I maybe miss it? Or did God maybe not even, maybe he just couldn't come through for me in that area? Or he, he, and I've left wondering, like, why? why? Why didn't it work? Those are kind of some real thoughts, some real questions that you sometimes ask. Does anybody relate to what I'm talking about? And the thing that I'm learning and the thing that I'm embracing and the thing that I'm realizing is that faith isn't just a formula or a mechanical process. It's actually the breath by which we're able to live. I mean, think about, Jesus said that to have faith like a child. They don't think of faith in terms of process. They don't think in faith in terms of mechanical something that you do. They picture faith as in hey, Dad, can you pick me up? They just simply trust. And that's what faith is. So how do we get back to that from where I kind of treat faith as a transaction, that I do this and God does that? If I do this, then this will happen. And so how do we go from transactional type of faith into what we've been learning about since we started New Day is that faith is relational. It comes out of what we, who, we, who God is and how we trust him. And out of that relationship, just like my kids trust me to take care of them, that we trust God to take care of us. That's, it's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. And in, if you look in Romans 1, verse 16 and 17, it says that, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. All right, all four of you guys, uh, I know it's Nico and Johnny and Jackson, whoever else is back there with them, and, and Eli back there, if you could uh, advance the slide for me. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah. It says, but it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And when we were at the men's meeting on Wednesday, uh, the group of guys get together and we were listening and we were sharing and all of a sudden it dawned on me that, wow, the way I've been thinking of faith can be so, that okay, something happened so now I enter into faith mode. But it says that we're supposed to live by faith. It's supposed to be the very air that we breathe, the way that we operate as Christians. It's the way we respond to God and respond to people and respond to the circumstances around us 
So every day becomes faith, not just when I need something or not just when I have a problem or a circumstance. So it's so much more, wow, there's, there's life to this. There's, there's something more that maybe I've missed or I've strayed away from. And let me say this, God has been extremely good to me this past year. I mean, even financially, it's, it's sometimes it's almost embarrassing. I mean, last year I moved into a new home that I never thought I'd be, the type of home that I never thought I'd be able to afford. This pa- past month, I got a car that I, I really never thought that I'd be able to drive. I, I, I've far exceeded the salary limits of the expectation of my career just because of the favor and the positioning that God has placed upon my life. And so I'm not against prosperity. I'm not against wealth, the goodness of God. When you walk in, in God's ways, like Justin said last week, he puts a path before you, and when you choose the path of God, there are blessings all along the way. So I'm not, we're not against any of that. But at the same time, the Bible strictly says, it says, don't pursue those things. He says, he tells us, and I'll share later on, he tells us what to pursue, but he says, don't pursue those things. And a few months ago, uh, Pastor Justin shared, and he showed a map, and I think that's on the screen. Can you guys show that map for me? He showed this map of the Israelites' journey from Egypt to the promised land. And it was supposed to be, they say, an 11 to 12-day journey from where they were in Egypt to the promised land. Some say that maybe it was supposed to be more like 30 days. But it wasn't supposed to take 40 years. And the path that they took, so you can see the way that they were supposed to go, and God took them a little bit of a detour for about 40 years to get to the promised land. And actually, when I've read that, I was like, God, 40 years? Like, why? You know? And then, and then you talk about Moses, and Moses is the guy that leads this group of 2 million people to the promised land, and they're complaining, they're whining, and they're scared, they're fearful, they're out of water, and they're complaining to Moses, and God, God tells Moses, I want you to speak to the rock, and then water's going to flow out of the rock for the people. Well, Moses just gets angry, and instead of speaking to the rock, he hits the rock with his staff, and God says, I told you not to, I wanted you to speak to the rock. He says, and because you've done this, he says, you can't go in. You won't be able to lead these people into the promised land. I'm like, God, first it takes 40 years, and then the guy that's leading all the people doesn't even get to go in. That does not seem fair. <laughs> like, I don't understand that. And so when you look at this whole story, all of a sudden I began to see, you know, maybe the promised land wasn't God's goal. Is that maybe more his primary focus wasn't the Israelites' comfort. It was more the idea that, hey, 
I want you to get to the place where you can know me. So even when you're in the wilderness, that you're full of joy, that you're full of peace, that you have faith that you're fulfilled in me, not by the circumstances or the things that are around you. And look, when you begin to look through Exodus and you see, wow, God's, what was God's desire? And look in Exodus chapter 6, in verse number 7, here's God expressing his desire. He says, I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. And he wanted them to learn that he would be their God and that he would be their people, and then that they would know that he's the Lord, their God, who brings them out from under the burden of the Egyptians. He wanted his people to know him. Look at the next verse. Exodus 8:20. And the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out of the water. Then say to him, He's speaking to Moses, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they serve, may serve me. He calls them my people. And look at the next verse. I love this one. Exodus 19:5. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my special treasure to me above all people for all the earth is mine. So what was God's focus? What was his desire? He's like, sure, you can have the stuff, but there's more than stuff here. I want you to have the opportunity to meet me and talk to me and, and hear me speak to you and, and be filled with a joy of knowing me. And at one point, God says, all right, Moses, just take them and bring them to the promised land. They can have it. And he's going to give it to them. And I kind of thought about this this morning, and not to be facetious, but it, it kind of sounds like when you have a big surprise for your kids. And they're asking you, what is it, 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 tell me, Dad. And finally you're like, okay, here's what we're doing. And there's almost a disappointment there because it wasn't about the end surprise. It was about the whole process of getting there that was part of it. And I think that's what it was with God is that, man, sure, I'll give you the stuff, but I want you to know me and I want you to experience me. And in Exodus 33, verses 1 through 3, this is what, um, next verse, guys, this is what, uh, God speaks to Moses. He says, then the Lord says to Moses, depart and go up from here. And you and the people whom you've brought out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. Next verse. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. So, yeah. So God is just like, man, just go. Just have it. You know, they want it. You can have it. But the guy that led these people, that didn't get to go into the promised land, his response is amazing because he had it right. It wasn't about the promised land, it was about having relationship and intimacy with God. And Moses says this in verse 15 of Exodus 33. 
He said to him, he said to God, he responds and he says, if your presence does not go up from us or with us, man, don't bring us up from here. He says, I don't want the promised land without you. And that's what he wanted all the Israelites, I'm sure, to catch. And even when you look back at when Moses went up on the mountain to talk with God, and he, the people said, we're too scared to hear his voice. But that relationship that Moses had with God was for every one of those Israelites to have an experience. But they focused on the promised land instead of focusing on God, and they lost sight of what really the true treasure was and what they could have. So how are we to live a life of faith? And what truly are we to believe God for? You know, when you talk about faith, there, there tends to be two ideas. And the first idea, is, as we were talking earlier, is that faith can be very transactional. And, and I, don't, I don't disregard anything of confessing the word. All those things are important. But where that comes and how we do that and where we start with that is, is a big deal, and it makes a big difference. And let me give you an example of, um, with my daughter. She's got something that she's been believing God for since she was born with, and Chloe's believing for some healing. And with that healing over the years, um, you know, we've taught her and we've taught our kids that we believe in the healing power of God. We believe in the miracle-working power of God. We believe that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us in the very power that raised Jesus from the dead, lives on the inside of us, and we can lay hands on the sick, and they recover. But at the same time, when you're walking through that and going through that, our minds get bombarded with questions, don't they? Well, Chloe's had questions over the years. Hey, Dad, man, why isn't it happening? And, and it hasn't happened yet. And, man, as a dad, your heart's like, oh, how do I answer this? You know, like, I don't know what to say. I, because... Part of faith is, I don't know, but I just believe. Ask mom, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. I told Amy earlier, she said, I said, you know, you should come on stage with me sometimes and, and we should just share with the people. And she goes, how about I preach at you from the front row? I said, no, that distracts me. <laughs> She'll give me input from the front row. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, but as Chloe is, uh, I remember telling her, oh, Chloe, you know, we probably just haven't. I remember sitting next to her bed. I said, oh, I, I, we, just, uh, we just need to focus on it more. We just, need to, we just need to confess our healing scriptures more. Maybe we just need to read about the miracles that Jesus did in the Bible more. Maybe we need to read a book more on just, man, God's healing power. And, and all those things are great. But, man, you know what that does is that I went from a point of trust to a point of transaction. Well, I got to do this. The reason this isn't working is because I got to do more of this. And that causes me and it caused Chloe. I said to Justin, we were talking this past week. I said, oh, I wish I could have a do-over with my daughter, you know. And I asked her, where is she? There she is. <laughs> I said, Chloe, could you come into service today? Because you got to hear what I'm about to say. And it's like, but so how do we stand for that? How do we do it? What would I say to Chloe now? What would I say? Well, I say, you know what? We just receive from God because faith, we are not the initiators of faith. And when we become trans, 
When we get into transactional faith, we're the initiators. We make it happen. But that's not faith. Faith is responding to what God has said and to what Jesus did for us on the cross. So how do we respond? How does Chloe and how do I respond? How do you respond when you're believing God for healing? And when those thoughts are coming at you, Lord, I just receive that you have paid the price for my healing. I just receive that my body is the healed of God. That, Father, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me and is bringing to my whole being, even my mortal body, new strength and vitality. Father, I receive that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. What's the difference? I am not saying those scriptures to transact and to get something from God. I am only reminding myself of what God already says and speaks about me. There's a big difference. And so it works in any area. What if it's financial? What if you're having financial concerns? What if you're having financial worries? Father, I thank you that you are my provider. That, Father, that every need of mine is met because you care for me and you tenderly love me. That's what the Bible talks about when it says, cast your cares on God, for he cares for you. Now, I'm not negating that this is easy to do, but it is simple. It's very simple. Our children do it all the time, and it's just receiving what he's already done for us. I think about, Amy and I were talking yesterday even about love, but what about sin? Say there's, you know, I don't, oh man, God, I, I, you can sometimes go, I wish I had more love for people, I had more compassion for people, so you have one or two choices. You can try to work up being more loving and more kind and more compassionate towards people, or you can say, Lord, I just receive the ability to love and to care for people. And the, with the, with the uh, children, we've been talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And when I tell them, I say, hey, what are the fruits of the Spirit? It's the, because the Bible says that, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What are all those things? It's the ability to live, to act, and to think like Jesus. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. He's given us the ability to think like him, to act like him, to be like him. So I just say, Father, these fruits are mine because I'm in relationship with you. So I just thank you that I walk in these every day of my life, that I am love that I don't have to go out and try to be love, that I am love because this Jesus, the one, has, has shed his love abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. So what about sin that you're dealing with? Well, sin, I don't identify with that sin anymore. The, the greatest point you can have faith is not before you say, oh God, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this. And the greatest point of faith is when you've messed up and you've sinned and you say, Father, I just receive that even in the midst of this, that I am the righteousness of God, and that I act and I live out what your word says, and I don't identify what I just did. I identify with who you said I am, and that's the way that I will act. Amen? The other side of faith that we can get into is, is where I call it sera sera. Whatever, will, will, whatever uh, will be, will be. Thank you. And uh, whatever, I don't know the song. I only know this, and I only know it's a song because it showed up on when I YouTube when I had to U- Google what that saying was. Uh, yeah, I knew it was K something something. I didn't even know how to spell it. So, <laughs> like, 
I mean, is that Spanish? What is that? I don't even, it is? What's Sarah Sarah? Okay, got it. It is Spanish, great. Or French, whatever it is. K is Spanish, I know that. All right. But, uh, but the point is, is that, oh, and I, I understand that, that, oh, God, maybe, and what happens is sometimes we'll go, oh, well, maybe that wasn't God's will, or maybe it wasn't God's will for this to happen. Maybe it wasn't God's will for me to be healed. Maybe it wasn't God's will for me to be financially prosperous. Maybe it wasn't God's will. To, maybe the things that he spoke to me was just bad pizza. It wasn't really what God's will was. But when we're like that, whatever his will may, whatever his, when we pray like, oh God, whatever your will is, we're like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro, and we can't really put our faith to stand on anything because we don't know what's true and what's not. But that's why God wrote it in this book, that this is the will of God. And whether I see it in this day or I see it in heaven, it doesn't matter. This is the will of God. This is what God has for my and your life. And, you know, uh, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I've always heard it and I understand it, but it's just taken on a more powerful meaning to me. Because the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that they were thrown into a furnace, and the reason they were thrown into a furnace is they were caught and uh, praying to God. And they would not bow to King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar said, if you do not bow, he says, we're going to give you one last chance. He says, if you do not bow, we will throw you in to this fiery furnace, and we will heat it up seven times hotter than it already is. And they responded with this, O king, our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not bowing. And I've always looked at that like, okay, if it doesn't work out, I'm just going to stand here anyway. And what really I think their attitude was, I am going to believe that this word is true no matter what I see with my eyes. That this becomes more real to me than any circumstance or anything visual that I see. That is faith. And it's simple, but it's not easy. Amen? In Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 16, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. In who? In the Lord. And the power of whose might? His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand, it says in the next verse. Go ahead, guys. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the gospel of faith, peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know, sometimes we've equated faith to how it looks around me. Like, I'm a successful in my Christian walk. I'm successful in my Christian walk based upon the circumstances that have gone away that I don't have to deal with in my life anymore. But faith is, that doesn't necessarily, if, the, if your circumstances haven't changed, it doesn't mean you're out of faith. 
If your circumstances haven't changed, it doesn't mean that well, one person has more faith than you do. Faith is standing in the midst of your circumstances. And I've always thought, this verse used to, all right, having done all the stand, stand. Having done all the strive, strive some more. Go confess those scriptures some more. Go read some more. And all those things are real. We have to do all those things. But again, I'm just reminding myself of the goodness of God, reminding myself of the promises of God. I'm not transacting with God that if I do this, then God will heal me. If I confess these scriptures long enough, I will build enough faith inside my heart, and now financially breakthrough will come to me. It's that I'm beginning to just trust who God is, and I'm resting. See the difference? One, you strive. The other, you're able to rest. Like, ah, God's got this. He's going to take care of it. Do the same thoughts come to my mind? Yes. So what do I do? Father, I just thank you that you are my healer, that you are my provider, that you are my sustainer, that you are my comforter, and the gospel you preach to yourself every single day. That, and what's the gospel? It's the oil of joy for mourning. It's to the blind man, you can now see. To the poor man, you're now rich. To the sick man, you're now healed. To the sinner, you're now a saint. And you just preach yourself the gospel every day, and you thank God for it. And as you renew your mind with those scriptures, all you're doing is reminding your, you're allowing your mind to just meditate on what God has already said about you and what he's promised to you. So what should we believe for? In 1 Timothy 4 through uh, 10 through 12, this is so intriguing to me, is that, you know, the title of this message is The Good Fight of Faith. But the couple of verses before that, you know, I kind of knew the verses, but I didn't connect that they were right next to each other until I looked. But it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from their faith and pe- and pe- in their greediness and pierced themselves with many sorrows. But look how he calls us up. He doesn't call us out. He says, But you, O man of God, you, the one that are a man or a woman of God, flee these things and pursue. What are we supposed to pursue in our faith? Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, peace, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That, man, we, those are the things that we pursue with our faith. Those are the things that we go after. Those are the things that we receive from God. And, you know, I think about going back to the promised land. It was a land of milk and honey and watermelon-sized grapes. But do you really think a watermelon-sized grape was the end-all that God was worried about, focused on? He had a lot more in mind for them than just grapes. He had, man, he wanted them to know him and to trust him. So when it comes to believing God, what am I believing God for now? You know, you heard those sayings of old, that, hey, if, if you don't use it, you lose it. You got to be believing for something. Well, yeah, and, I, and I get it, and I, but, you know, you got the picture on your screensaver of, you know, the, Justin and I were talking, the BMW. I can't afford the tires for the BMW, but the BMW is on my screen, right? It's like, so what are we to believe God for? Well, number one, we believe in the goodness of God. Is that the one thing that's been under attack since the beginning with Adam and Eve is the goodness of God. 
the devil came to Eve and said, and he made her think that God was actually withholding something from her, that God wasn't good. But in Luke eleven nine 9 through 13, Jesus said, starting in verse uh, 11, he says, if, a son asks for, if any son asks for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? Or he ask, if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? Another, in uh, Matthew, it says, give good gifts to those who ask of him. So if we know how to take care of our kids, and we have a heart to take care of our kids, and we're mere human beings, how much more does God have a love and a desire to take care of you and I, or our children, or the things that we may go and be going through? Is God's going to help you. <laughs> That's a really simple way to have faith. Man, God is going to help me. Number two is that we believe in God's love for us. Is that the essence of faith, the Bible says that faith worketh through love. Well, it's knowing that God loves me because when I know that God loves me, then I can trust him. You can't trust someone that you don't know if they really have your best in mind. You don't know if they really love you, though they don't know if you care. It makes you wishy-washy if you don't understand the love of God. But it says in, in Romans chapter 8, verses 39, 8, or 38 and 39, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. The love of God is a big thing. It's not something that we put off to the side. It's something that we take with us every day of our lives. Father, I just receive the love for you have for me. Oh, you messed up. Father, I just receive the love that you have for me, that God you are crazy about me. You don't give up on me. I'm your son. And I read a, I've been reading a book, and there was a man that, he was in Russia, and he was working in an underground church. And he was in prison, and he wound up going to prison for 17 years because he was in the underground church there, and he got caught. And so he, every day in his prison cell, he would wake up, and he would begin to sing a worship song to God. And all the inmates would laugh at him and tease him and throw food at him and excrement and all sorts of stuff at him. And any time he'd get a little bit of a piece of paper, he'd, he'd, he'd find a piece of paper and he'd take his pencil and he would write on it. And he would stick it on a pole. And the guards would come in and they would see it. And he'd get beaten for it. And one day he said it was a gift from God. A whole piece of paper somehow went to his cell. So he filled the whole thing up. And he posted it on that pole in his cell room. And this is after years and years had gone by. And this time they're beating him. They're taking him out to execute him. They take him out of the cell. 1,500 of those prisoners were in there began to sing the very worship songs that they heard him sing every morning. And the guard said, who are you? And he says, I'm a son of the living God, and his name is Jesus Christ. And they let him go. But what inspired me of that is that man knew who he was. He said, I am a son of God. And did he have doubts in the prison cell? Yeah. At one time he was about to give up and recant what he said he believes because they lied to him and said that his family had been murdered. And then God showed up in a dream and he heard, and he heard his actual wife and his children praying for him. 
but he faced doubt. He faced incredible, un- incredible circumstances, but his faith wasn't. You ask these guys in the underground church and places like that, they say, don't pray for me to get out. Yeah, he says, they don't pray, please don't pray for me to get out. He says, pray that I'd be able to stand. How can those people not want to get out? Because they just are so involved, they're so enthralled with knowing Jesus and being a son or a daughter of God that if they get out, great. But that's not the promise. That's just the promised land for them. What they want is Jesus. And that is why their faith is so inspiring to each and every one of us. The other thing we need to believe God for is our new identity. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18, it says that we are a new creation in Christ, that our past is gone, and our new life has come, and all things are of God. And I love this next verse in Colossians 1. If you guys can advance that for me. Verse 21 and 22, it says, And you who are alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. How many times does the devil come and accuse you that you don't have enough faith? How many times does he come and accuse you when you fall into sin? How many, he accuses us every day. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And you just stand and receive and believe that I'm a new creation in Christ and I am holy and I am a blameless and I'm above every reproach and every accusation devil that you could ever bring against me. Why? Because I I'm a son of the Most High God, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And the last thing that I would say we, we seek to believe after is the promises of God. What has God said to you in his word, and what has he said to you in those times of prayer or those secret things inside your heart? Is that, man, this is the truth. And Chloe is the healed of God. Whether it takes one day, whether it takes two days, whether it takes a year, or if I see it when I get to heaven, the circumstances don't change who and what she is. She is already the healed of God. And I don't take any of this easy. I don't take any of it lightly. I understand where people are at. I've been in the same place. Your mind is going crazy. But that is the truth. And when we take this as the truth, even in the midst of those circumstances, like Justin has taught us, God will show us so many things along the way that healing will be great. It'll be a great promised land. But the journey of getting to know God on that journey will far supersede the present that I open at the end of the day because the process of the surprise and getting to know God was so much greater. Amen. Let me just pray for you. Father, we just thank you that inside every one of us, you have put the ability to believe a childlike faith on the inside of us. And Father, we just call forth to believe that we are, you are the author and you are the perfecter of our faith, that you're the one that initiated it, you're the one that'll finish it, and Father, we just have to respond to it. So we just thank you, Father, for causing us reignite what we're supposed to believe God reignite inside of us believing who you are and who we are as your children 
And Father, may we begin to hold on to the promises of God and the things that you've spoken to us above any circumstances that we could ever face. Because Father, we believe that you are higher than any mountain and you are lower than any pit. And Father, I just thank you for just encouraging and building and Holy Spirit comforting and lifting up every person in this place that they walk out of here with a new vitality and a new strength to stand and believe. And Father, to take your word as the truth, no matter what they see, no matter what the cost is, that Father, that your word is true and they're alive and they will not shrink back, but they will hold on to the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You received that this morning? Jim, thank you very much, man. I appreciate you sharing your hearts. I want to thank you for all receiving the word of God. Would you please stand with me this morning? Jim, great job. And I hope that you, I hope that you saw something this morning of there's a tension inside Jim, myself, many of you who are relearning and unlearning some things that are extremely important. When you face off with the relational before functional, there's a tension. And that tension is to go back into functional because you can measure it and you can feel it again. But when you go back to the relational and a verse, and he, and he said something that was so true, and that's why I, I, I kind of shut it out when he said it, is we have drifted, guys, being in America, being within a gospel that maybe sometimes emphasizes things that it shouldn't, we have drifted into a place where we take what we need, we take where we don't like life, and we bring it to God, and we say, I'm believing for this. And I read this passage just while Jim was uh, preaching. It says, so they brought the apostles back in. They had severely beaten them. And they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and then they let them go. And I know when we drift away from something and we have contrary circumstances, what do we believe God for? That this would change. And I can imagine our hearts toward these disciples. They would be like, oh, Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that they never get beaten again. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will protect them and you will never let them suffer. Do you see what we've done? We've drifted into believing for not that to happen rather than what they did. So the apostles left there rejoicing, thrilled that God had considered them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, there's an enemy. And that enemy is coming to mess your life, to beat at your boat, to do everything he can to get you to focus on that so you can go, God, I'm believing for an easier life. God, I'm believing for a better life. God, I'm believing for easier for my kids rather than I rejoice that I'm worthy to even suffer some sense of disgrace for the name of Jesus Christ. And I will not be moved by that. That's when we start to get back to the gospel. So thank you, Jim. Because it's not about, you know, hey, seek first the kingdom of God and then what? You know what motivates us about that? Is, and then all things should be added. And we define all those things as a what? A better, easier, more comfortable, happier life. And we start to say, God, if I seek you first, you said what? All things. You know what? Forget about all things. God, I want you. And I want to know you more and I want your word. And he said, 
okay. Come get me because when you get me, all those things pale in comparison to having me. And guys, I, I just say all that because, man, he, Jim stirred me so much to realize, wow, we've drifted so far away to where this gospel is all about us. It's about what makes me happier and easier and better life for me. But man, they, they rejoice of the fact that they were worthy to suffer. And we're not asking God to suffer. <laughs> we don't, we're not asking God, but it's coming. I know you're all ready. We, we actually ordered some warm weather. So when you get out here, you'll dethaw. I know you're all ready for that. I had nobody next to me to, to rub my arms. But thank you, Jim, very, very much. Um, as they sing this next song, you guys can be dismissed. But I just want to say, you guys are sons and daughters. A new day is a pit stop so that you can get something readjusted. Go back outside those walls and go be the church. There are people like the Good Samaritan saw that you can't tell from the natural that they're broken inside. But the Lord will show you by the Spirit of God. Reach out to that person. And go and be the light. Go and be the salt. Go and be the son and daughter that you've been called to be because that's who you are. Amen. Amen. If you do want to give, uh, we have a chest back there where you can give or you can give online. I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for those who are faithful to give each and every time uh, that you do. It, it means the world to us to be able to do what we're called to do. We're just about to order a brand new drum set because this one that we're using is Hopi's. And so Hope's going to get it back home and we're soon to get a, get a new one in a couple of weeks. And so we're just able to do things like that. Two things I want to mention about giving real quick is one, don't let fear stop you. And two, what have you purposed in your heart to give to the kingdom? You answer those two questions and you will find yourself realigning with God when it comes to giving. What have I purposed in my heart, Lord, to give to your kingdom? And Lord, what am I fearing to let go of? So Father, I bless your people in Jesus' name as Jim just encouraged us with the word of God. May they be called up into who they are in Christ Jesus. May we believe in the love of God. May we believe in the goodness of God. May we believe in our identity. And may we believe your promises, Father God. That's what we will believe because we are believers. And that's what we do is we believe our Father. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Have a great day, everyone.